hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome on this week to the Digital Campus. I'm so glad you joined us. I'm going to be right here in the chat. If you need prayer for anything or anything we can do, just let me know. Today, we're continuing the series about the family. And hasn't it been amazing so far? I mean, we started off talking about fighting for your family. And we talked about marriage and raising kids. And today, Pastor Rick's going to be on here talking to all the single people. But next Sunday is Mother's Day. This is a huge day to come to church. And listen, we would love to invite you to one of our campuses here in Arkansas. Right underneath me, you'll see the campuses listed. Come, it's going to be amazing. There's fun things going to be happening at these campuses. But we'll also be here on digital as well. Well, we're going into worship now. And as we do that, I just want to pray for all of us just to receive from the Lord today exactly what he has for us. So come on, let's pray. Father, I thank you right now for everybody that's watching. Lord, I just pray, God, if they're in their homes or cars or walking or God, they might be sitting around a table with family members or friends. I just pray today, God, we would learn and grow in your word, God, like never before. And I just pray as we go into worship right now, God, that we will put distractions to the side. God, we'll focus on your goodness and we'll worship you, God, right now with everything that we have. God, we love you. We give you this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Down.
Hello, everybody. Family series here. My name is Rick, and I'm one of the pastors at New Life Church, and I'm thankful to be doing this series on the family. To review quickly, and you can go back and watch some of these, uh, we spoke about fighting for your family. That was a great way to start. And then I spoke on marriage and parenting. And this week, week four, I'm going to be speaking about the mission of singleness. I'm thinking a lot about being single, and many people, they make such a big deal out of getting married. Like, if you're single, you got to get married, almost like being single is a second-class citizen. For example, if you went to a bookstore, Barnes & Noble, if they're still open, I don't even know. But if you looked at all the books on marriage, they would commonly reflect how hard it is to be married and what you need to work on. And so does Scripture. But if you read the books about singleness, they would normally be telling you how much better marriage is and how to find a spouse. But the Bible does not reflect that. Being married is great, but so is single, and both of them take work. So we have a lot of single people in our church, a lot of single people in our state. Some are young and some are not. Uh, Maybe some are going to college. Maybe some are a lot older. We have some who have been through a divorce, some who are widowed, some with kids, some without kids, some trying to do the best that they can as a single parent. But here's some stats. I think they're worth looking at. 45% of all adults over 18 in America are unmarried. 61% have never been married. 24% are divorced. 15% are widowed, and the last two are single by circumstance, and the others are usually single by choice. But let's take a look at this. In 1960, 28% of all adults were unmarried, but now it's 45. What's going on out there? Marriage is on the decline. Cohabitation is on the incline. 59% of adults cohabitate living with someone without any commitment. 85% of people think it's okay to cohabitate. But what does the scripture say? Over 50% of all the marriages end in divorce. 60% of second marriages end in divorce. 73% of third marriages end in divorce. So there's something inside of all of us that feels like when you're single, you have to, you have to get married But I think the scripture has something to say about how to live as a single person. That's why we're calling this the mission of singleness. And by the way, in 2019, Arkansas had the highest rate of divorce in America. And that stat, it bugs me. This doesn't account for people that remain married, but are miserable. They want out, but they can't figure out how to get out. So we must note that singles have changed the world from school teachers. I was thinking about this, surrogate grandmothers helping to raise their grandkids, maybe with little warning, like they didn't even know about that not long ago. I was thinking about this as well, the relief workers when we had the flooding in Arkansas. I can't even tell you how many singles showed up spending days sometimes spending the night out there so they could help more. And then if you think about single people who have changed the world, I just wrote down a few. Uh, The Wright brothers, 
Condoleezza Rice, Susan B. Anthony, Beethoven. But let's look at the Bible. John, he wrote the book of Revelation as a single person. Daniel, the prophet, single. Mary Magdalene, single. John the Baptist, single. Of course he was. He ate locusts, you know. Nobody wanted to get too close to him. How about Lydia? She helped start the church of Philippi. Ruth, Paul the apostle. How about Jesus? Our Savior was single. So it's worth noting both marriage and singleness, they're both temporary. I bet you never thought about that. It's temporary for everyone in this room, and I'm going to explain. From what I see in Scripture, we will not be married or even unmarried in heaven. Strange to me that Michelle will not be my wife in heaven. I've actually had some sad thoughts about that, but I trust the Lord. I see no classification of either single or married in Scripture. So let me pastor you for a second. Many of us at different times, we lose our mission and purpose in life. And every person in this room has been single at some point, and 50% of you will be single again at some point even if there's not one divorce because people die and half of us will be single again. All right, I'm getting a little negative. So what do we do? I mean, is there a way to get this right? Yes, there is. That's why I love the word. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 17, it says, Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer. That's how we do it. In whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule. He doesn't use that much. This is the rule. He said, this is the rule that I lay down in all the churches. So for all of us. And that's why I've entitled this the mission of singleness. So let me give you a few examples. Do you remember uh, when Kobe and Shaq, when they were winning all the time? Do you remember those moments when Kobe would run and jump into the arms of Shaq like, we did it again, we're winning, we're doing all this. But something happened. And then they turned on each other, trying to prove who was the best, bragging about it, fighting all the time. And all of us who love the Lakers, we were all saying, come on, man, don't lose your mission. We're winning everything. Let's win. You forgot the mission. I think it's like that with heaven. Heaven is looking down on us and going, what are you doing? You're, you're not winning. You've forgotten about your mission. I want you to get this right. You're turning on one another. This happens in marriage and it happens outside of marriage. What is going on? Just win with my name. There's something much bigger here than who is the best or what is the best? And here's the truth. One day, he will look at the people and say, depart from me, like everybody you've ever met, everybody at the sound of my voice. He's gonna look right at us and say, I know you or I do not know you. That's a bigger picture. That's worth keeping our eyes on. Slightly larger purpose. Here's another example of being on mission. Have you ever been on a missions trip? If you have, then you can relate to what I'm saying. If you haven't, you can wrap your imagination around it. But 
you can go on a trip and you meet at the airport and let's say that was the first time you ever met everybody. That's normally not how it works, but I've been on these mission trips and sometimes the people that are going with you, they're just weird. The most eclectic group and the most eccentric group ever assembled and now you have to hang out with them for two weeks. But then by the time you are done, you love being around them. At the end, when you get to the airport, it's like, I love you. I can't believe we're done. It was the greatest time ever. Why? Because you were on a mission together. And you care less about the differences when you're on a mission for something bigger. But have you noticed when the mission trip is over, those relationships fade? Why? Because the mission is over. If your family is tight, like really close, and that closeness extends through many years, I'm telling you right now, people are going to ask you why. And the answer, it's because you're on a mission together. We're not fighting for the family. It's okay to fight for the family, but that's not really it. The mission is bigger. We are fighting for our faith. So what does the wrong mission look like? People kind of see it this way. Many think when you're single, we just need to fight to get married. Well, maybe that's part of the mission, but that's not the whole mission. And then it continues. When you're married, we need to fight to have kids. Well, that's part of the mission, but that's not the big picture of the mission. Because even when you have a kid, it's like, we need to fight to focus on the kid. Maybe fight to have another kid. Well, it's part of it, but that's not the full mission. Keep your mission the big picture. It's always with Christ. It's always centered around his name. Every church has a mission statement, and we do as well. But you know what? If you're single out there or even married, I think you should have a mission statement. Like, what is your value? What are you aiming at? Otherwise, every stage of your life is a pilot program, and you're never just settled. You're always looking for something else. And Matthew, Christ said, in Matthew 16 and verse 25, look at this verse. For whoever wants to save their life, they're going to lose it. But whoever loses their life for me, and that's the key, that's the big mission, for me. Jesus is saying, for me. Keep your eyes on that. Because if you do it for me, you're going to find it. You'll find your mission if you do it that way. Because seriously, if you're striving to have a safe, little, cute, single life or family life, you're going to lose it. This whole thing reminds me like trying to be at a place where you're not. Have you ever seen flies at a screen door or any screen? You have flies outside trying to get inside. And then you have some flies inside trying to be outside. And this happens in the single life and married life. Single people thinking, man, my life would be so much more fulfilling if I were married. And then married people saying, man, if I just was single again. Look, Paul doesn't speak that way. So thinking about single people, look what Paul says. But I wish, 1 Corinthians 7, but I wish everyone were single. What? Just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. So I say to those who aren't married 
and to the widows, it's better to stand married just as I am. I think he's just making it clear that there's nothing wrong with you when you're single. And in fact, Paul, he changed the world as a single person. So look, I'm married. I love being married. I'm not speaking against it. But life doesn't start at marriage, just like it doesn't end when someone dies. Your mission stays the same. So let's talk about this. How to biblically live as a single person. That's what I want to talk about. How do you live according to Scripture as a single person? One thing, by the way, uh, I think is worth mentioning. There are more opinions about this topic than any other. Like when I go to speak and people figure out what I'm speaking on, I'll always give people uh, a chance to tell me what their thoughts are if I'm speaking to them. Uh, And then some people just send me emails. But on the topic of being single, man, everybody who's single, they want to tell me how to speak about this. And I don't mind, but it is noteworthy. Uh, They say, tell the married people to leave us alone or tell the uh, married people to help hook us up. Tell the single men to talk to us more. Tell the single women to be nice. And a story, uh, there was this guy, I was telling the whole church how sick I am that these men, the godly men, are not speaking to the the godly women in our church. And uh, so I was challenging them one day. It's, come on, man. Get together and speak to them. So one guy came to me, and he was deep Arkansas. Always joke around about the accent of some in Arkansas. They speak banjo. I don't know if you ever noticed that. Like, hey, now, 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 like this. And this is the way the guy spoke. And he came to me. He said, hey, I got this girl I really want to talk to. I don't know what to say. And at that time, we had scones in the foyer of that campus. And I told him, I said, just go up to her and tell her, uh, that you want a scone. If you if she wants a scone, ask her if she wants one with you. And he goes, that's a great idea. And I was just kidding. But he went up to her and asked her, hey, you want a scone? And she said, yeah, I like scones. She was from deep Arkansas as well. Well, they had a scone and then they had another scone the next Sunday for months, eating a lot of scones. They were gaining relationship and gaining weight. And then one day they got married. So I told them, when you go to have kids, you got to call your first kid either Rick, because I hooked you up, or Scone, one way or another. But the truth is, when people are single, man, they don't know what to do next. And then they have a lot of opinions. Back to that verse, 1 Corinthians. I wish everyone were single just as I am. When you're single... I think it's important that you understand the mission. I'm making this as clear as I can. And your mission is like a job. When you are married, this is where your mission and your purpose plays out. It's like a job. Here's a question. Have you ever seen someone who hated their current job? I think it's worth noting that you can see it in their eyes. They're dreaming about something else. Uh, Joseph, if you look at being on mission, almost like you're calling and a job, this brother aced being single. So God gave him his family. He was crazy good at leading. Uh, This man went through so much. He was sold into slavery. His family was broken uh, at best when he was growing up. But God had a mission for him, 
had a calling for him, had a job for him. And it was while he was single. And as a single man, he protected his purity. He was sexually pure the whole time, even in the midst of a lot of heartbroken seasons. He could have justified falling into sin. He could have said, I'm from another land. Sexual sin is accepted here. No one will ever know. Uh, no one from back home, no one will really even know my standards and my relationship with God. I'm handsome. This girl who's trying to hit on me is pretty. I'm lonely. My family hurt me. I am a victim. No, he didn't do that. He stood with the word. He kept his mission. And because of that, he aced this calling and this job. And when Joseph fulfilled his mission... God brought him his family. And some singles are constantly asking me who want to get married and nothing wrong with wanting to get married, but is something, there is something wrong with losing your mission. So they always say, where's my mate? How do I do it? You know, all this stuff. Here's a better question. Not what's my mate or who's my mate, but what's my mission? So here's how you do that. Enjoy your life as a single person. I'm talking about be content. Paul, he was single and he was content. He made it clear in Philippians chapter four. He said, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it means to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. Wow, I'm just gonna be honest. I've never got that. I've learned to be content, but in every situation, I've got some stuff to work on. But I'm convinced you do as well. This means that Paul, he didn't always just strive for something else. He just sort of settled in his current place, and he went through a lot of hardship. We're just not naturally content. Paul experienced all kinds of trouble in his life, but he's saying in this verse, I have a secret. I've learned a secret, which means he, he's probably not saying it loud. A secret usually, Psst, hey, come here. Like, come here, let me tell you this. A secret. And I think if he could call us over, he, was, he would say, man, I got this secret. Rick Bazette, this could help you so much. Single people that are out there, this could help you so much. Be content. The Lord is helping me know this. So what does it mean to be content? Let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean pretending or faking it. It's not saying, I like it the way it is when you really don't. It's not having no ambition. No, Christians should live and strive. It's not living without a dream. That's not contentment at all. Contentment is saying, I'm not waiting for the situation to change in order to serve a Lord. I'm not waiting for everything to change before I do the mission of God in my life. I am not waiting for the situation to change, to feel complete, to be happy. That's just not the way that I'm going to live. So how do you do that? I find that it's important that you equip yourself as a single person. 1 Corinthians, again, all of this, you should read 1 Corinthians 7. Uh, if you've never read it, I highly recommend you read it in the Message Bible first and then move to the NLT 
uh, thereafter, it says, I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Being single is a great time to prepare yourself, especially if you're younger. And in 1 Corinthians, it actually says again, I want you to be free from concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man, and here we go again to the married people, but a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. Look at this. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible, being focused being prepared. My golf coach, he was very intense. I could tell you stories that would shock you. But he always taught me this. He said, Rick, the best way to live at peace is to be ready. And the best way to walk through life without pressure is to be prepared. And that's why Paul just keeps hitting this over and over, to be prepared, to be ready, in this season of life as a single person, just get ready. In life, there's often a preparation phase between you and your desires. Like Moses, I mean, my goodness, this brother was 40 years in the backside of a desert. And then finally, he's got this passion in his heart to do something. And so God meets with him and God doesn't even connect with his passion in his heart. What did he use? He used what he had prepared for. He had been working with a staff for 40 years on the backside of a desert. And the Lord says, what's in your hand? Like you've been working, what's in your hand? When you're single, it's like this life is in your hand. This is who you are. God is wanting to use that. I know you might have some big ideas in your heart and you will have that fulfilled. But first, you must use what's in your hand where you currently are. It took him years to prepare himself with a staff. Just like David, he was anointed king, but then he went through about 15 years of craziness that prepared him to be a king. You cannot shortcut the work of God. Another way to do this is to examine who you truly are as a single person. When you're married, someone they can help guide you. This is the way that it works for me in my home. Michelle, she holds me accountable, and I thank God for it. It does help me. I will be honest. She'll tell me, Rick, you know that story you just said? It was about 10% exaggerated. And it's like, oh, my goodness. She's right. That's not exactly how it went. Man, early on in our marriage, I had to really pay attention to that. She will look at me, Rick, you were too direct with that person. I think you might have hurt them. And I'll think about it. Oh, my goodness. I really hurt them. And then sometimes Michelle will say when I'm driving, Rick, slow down. And I say, man, I don't need to slow down. That's what cars are for, driving fast. I say that to myself, not to her, because I want to have a good marriage. But I just wanted all of y'all to know what I'm thinking. 
And then the last thing I think we're talking about is embrace who God has for you. So we're examining, we're doing everything that God will want us to do to try to get our lives right. But let's just say you do want to get married. What in the world do you look for? So the most important thing is spiritual compatibility. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14, it's clear. Stop forming inappropriate relationships with unbelievers. Can right and wrong be partners? Can light have anything in common with darkness? Can a believer share life with an unbeliever? So I thought that would just be on the table right away. But here's a few other things that you can look for in a man. Ladies, if you want to get married someday, here's a tip or two to help you. Number one, watch how he spends his money. We know the scripture says where his treasure is, that's where his heart will be. But does he spend all of his money on himself, his own car, or his personal items? Or does he see hurting people around him? Does he tithe? Look where his money's going. Because most of the time, a selfish and materialistic man, they don't make the best husbands. Number two, watch him lose at something. Can he handle defeat when he's failing? Does it become more teachable or less teachable then? Uh, you need to know that. When in life he loses, does he pound the table, cuss, or does he make phone calls and try to meet with someone to help him? Number three, watch what entertains him. What is he seeing on TV? Uh, what does he watch on Netflix? Does it break his heart to break the heart of God? The next, watch what he's dreaming about. Is the Lord included in that? Does he take scripture into account? Next. Take a look at his schedule. Is he lazy? Does he sleep in every day? Does he get up and go even when he doesn't have a job? Uh, what does he fill his schedule with? You can learn a lot from that. Next, watch how he treats others. Uh, like how does he treat his mom, his family, his friends? At a restaurant, how does he treat the server when they're not doing very well? How does he treat people in traffic? But... I also think men need to know what to look for in a lady. Watch how she talks about other people. I don't like them. I don't like her hair. She thinks she's so pretty. You know, if all of social media is, that's what it's about. Pay attention to that. Uh, the Bible says a gossip separates close friends. Well, it's going to ultimately separate you. Another thing is to watch the way she dresses. Does she try to draw attention to her own body? 1 Timothy 2, 9 says, Women should dress modestly because God is in the holiness more than he is in the fashion. And you can be fashionable and still modest. Number three, watch what happens when she doesn't get her way. Does she yell? Does she cry? Have you ever seen a kid like at a grocery store throwing a fit? Sometimes those kids never grow up. The next is watch her joy. What's that like? Is she steady with joy? Is there a lot of drama? She has real highs and lows. You know, there's going to be times where people are upset, so I'll give you that. But I mean, is it extreme maneuvers with emotions? Another thing is to watch her words of encouragement. This is a very important thing because the scripture begs for a godly woman to be an encourager uh, to her husband. And if she's not an encourager to other people, why would all of a sudden she be an encourager to you? 
And then watch her eyes, her nonverbal communication. Is she always rolling her eyes? Because if that's happening now, it will also happen in marriage. So why am I saying all this? Because it's good when you're trying to be on mission as a single person, it's good to know what it is that you should aim at in terms of marriage. Because otherwise, if you wanna get married, you'll be around someone and you might have a check in your spirit about it. And then you might even have this thought, well, I'll marry them and then they'll change. Whew. There's so many people who would testify different than that. So Jesus is the one who got it right. That's the mission. And this is what he did. He said, I came and I accomplished everything the Father asked me to do. If I were single again, that's what I would aim at. As a married person, that's what I should aim at. Let's get the mission right. Worship also helps, so let's go to worship right now with all of our hearts.
Well, man, what a great message by Pastor Rick today. I love how we're hitting every part of the family in this series and we're all growing. I just, I'm so grateful that God is using this series to help all of us. Well, today, if you want to connect with us, we would love to connect with you. Just text connect to this number right here. If you need prayer for anything or you made a decision to follow Christ today, or if you want to get connected to one of our campuses here in Arkansas, we would love to help you do that. Well, right now we're going to take our tithes and offerings. And as we do that, we just want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness and giving right here at New Life Church. You'll see three ways to give right here on the screen. Me and my wife, we choose to do reoccurring. So it just comes directly out of our account. Or you might want to do it a different way or mail in a check or text to give. It's all about your faithfulness. We want to say thank you for that. So today we're going to be praying for Indiana Street Baptist Church right there in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, Pastor Brian. And as we pray for them, I also want to pray a prayer of blessing as we go today. So God, thank you so much for Pastor Brian there. I just pray, God, that you would be with this church there in Pine Bluff, God. Use them, God, to reach that city. And Lord, I also just pray a prayer of blessing over everybody watching today. God, I pray as we are diving through this family series, God, that we would grow in areas, God, that we need to be stretched. And I just pray for favor. I pray for blessing over everybody watching. And I just thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, next Sunday, 8 a.m. Can't wait to see you right here on Mother's Day. God bless.